Let me say this. I like JJ. So JJ, when you hear this from me, like I get it. You wanted more time, and I know your family lives in Brooklyn and lives out on the East Coast, but really, you thought they were going to send you to the Nets like everybody else. On top of it, JJ, you know this. No one cares. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Been been some time uh, since our last pod, and I know me and Ashant Rohan did one, and then Ashant and Ishan did a great pod. Uh, you know, I think it's the first time that we're talking about it publicly, but, you know, that was just one of the most impactful pods that we've had on this platform. Uh, I just wanted to say that before we get started, but I have Nishan on the line with me. What's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Thanks for, uh, thanks for saying those nice things. Hopefully we're going to, we're going to try to continue that series and talk a little bit more about, you know, things that are important to us. So, uh, for anyone who enjoyed that pod, stay tuned. Yeah, of course. I mean, I know I texted you about it, um, and I know a bunch of our friends um, in some of our group chats all like acknowledged like how important that pod was. But you know, just wanted to say while we have this, uh, you know, publicly uh, publicly for the first time. But anyways, you know, since we last talked, there's been that was right before the All Star game. You know, we have we've had the trade deadline. We've had some injuries. We've had some more games that just the NBA just keep going this year. Injuries, COVID, whatnot. Um, but it was pretty funny. Just as we were about to start this pod, some big news dropped. The Milwaukee Bucks and Drew Holiday have agreed to a four-year extension worth $135 million minimum, um, or guaranteed rather, and could be up to 160 with incentives and a fourth-year player option. Uh, just just your first thoughts. You know, just this news just dropped. What do you think of this extension? Well, I think it's a move that... Milwaukee kind of had to do but it's an impressive move because you generally don't see small market teams handing out the amount of money that they have but it really goes to show that once they made that trade did you know the three picks and the pick swaps they were all in on this team and they needed to do this extension it was just a matter of time because if they didn't they'd have nothing to show for that for that trade and so I think Drew Holiday has been really good for them and I probably would have waited a little bit longer maybe the offseason just to kind of see how he plays in the playoffs I think he'll be great but now they're kind of stuck with this team for the next you know four years and uh, I'm still not 100% convinced that this is this is you know a championship team what do you think yeah I mean in the east uh, I think Brooklyn has to be the not just like the favorite, but like a, a huge favorite. Uh, what they've just shown in Brooklyn is that they got these three stars, and even if one of them is out, even if they have to miss time during a playoff series, they still have two of them. Uh, and then now they just signed these buyout guys like Aldridge and Griffin. So the thing is, like when you make a trade like you did for Harden, you lose some depth, but they just like <laughs> reinforce that depth with like buyout guys. But no, you're right. With like Holiday, he pretty much had all the leverage because they gave up all those picks for him, and you can't just lose him in the offseason. So you pretty much had to give him a max ex- extension. But they're locked in now with Middleton, Giannis, and Drew for the foreseeable future. Like this is their team. There's really no nothing they can do. They don't have picks. They're only like I guess asset is Steven Chenzo still who they could move to get someone else 
Uh, and Brooke Lopez still has two years left on his deal, and he's he's still getting paid like around 13, 14 million dollars too. So this is an expensive team. Uh, but I guess this is the promise they made to Giannis that you know we will spend, uh, we will continue putting a good product out there for him. Uh, that's kind of why he wanted to sign this extension and trusted the team. So they're kind of like living up to their word, but you know it's it's just hard. They they kind of <laughs> they have this really good team. If Brooklyn wasn't there, I would say that they may have to make the finals. But with Brooklyn, I don't see that happening. It's kind of insane um, that we see this year after year, and it's a superstar league. But between Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday, you know, on their cap sheet, they're gonna have like no wiggle room. And I can't see they they don't have that much homegrown talent already on their bench. They did do some work during the buyout market, got a couple of good assets, but how are they going to build enough around this team in the future to be consistently, you know, in in line for playoff success? I just, I feel like Brooklyn got lucky because, you know, they kind of shelled their team out to get their three superstars. But then all these other guys wanted to come play with them and they had a couple of homegrown talent guys that they had picked up before all of this happened. You know, like Joe Harris has been there for a while. They had guys like Dimwitty and Lovert and Allen who were really good assets. But I think the difference was that the Nets had been bad and had been picking up all this high-end talent from the draft uh, and through a couple of trades before, before Kyrie and KD came. Meanwhile, the Bucks have been good for a couple of years, so their their assets are kind of thin. And so I, I don't know if they can build quite the way that the Nets have to get the depth that they need to have some playoff success. And on top of that, uh, I'm worried that the Bucks, the thing that they still kind of stink at is perimeter shooting. And Holiday is great, and he's not, you know, he's not a lockdown shooter, but when it comes to the playoffs, like what are they? What are they? What what has changed really? Like what? How Giannis is still probably going to be less effective because they're going to clog the paint. And do you see, you know, Drew Holiday going out shooting six, seven threes in a game? I, I just, I just don't buy it. Yeah, same. I mean, ultimately, that that's pretty. I, I feel the same way. You know, I feel like I'm one of those people who kind of harps on the Bucks, but they have this great regular season team. But when it comes to the playoffs, teams are still going to do that same thing where they form the wall to stop Giannis. And I just don't see, like, has he really improved that much as a jump shooter, which I don't think he has, to overcome that that wall that they're going to build. And, you know, that that's ultimately what teams are going to do to stop it. Um, and I think it obviously works less effective when you don't have that good of a team uh, or you can't match up with them offensively and keep up but you know teams like the Sixers and the uh, Nets can definitely do that uh, it, it it's crazy that we're talking about a two-time MVP and last year the defensive player of the year like this saying that he still has a ways to go to be an impact playoff player uh, but that's just like where he is still at uh, like he just hasn't improved that much enough as a jump shooter to basically overcome this one thing that teams use in the in the playoffs to stop him. Yeah, totally. I mean, the the challenge is that's what the NBA is now, right? Like if you can't shoot, um, if you're a big man, you can't shoot. You're really not going to make it in the league. And 
I guess even superstars aren't really immune to that. And Giannis doesn't have to be a three-point shooter shooting, you know, 35-40% from the field. He just needs to be respectable and he needs to be willing to take the shots. I think that's the biggest thing. He needs to go out there and first couple minutes of the game, if they're packing the paint, he needs to just go out there and have the confidence to hit that first shot, hit that second shot, and then after that they're going to respect him and they're going to have to step out. And that's really going to be what changes the game. So yeah, the, the Drew Holiday signing is great. Yeah, getting him in the getting him via trade was wonderful but ultimately the Bucks future still lies on Giannis and the progress that he has to make both on like both on and during practice exactly uh and you know it's I can't wait for these playoffs I think the first round is going to be whatever but the second round you know we'll have like a Brooklyn versus uh actually no I think Brooklyn will end up being the number three or number one seed so I think two and three will be Sixers and Bucks and I think that'll be a great matchup uh, and then whoever Brooklyn plays may not be as interesting, but I'm just excited for that. Sixers, Bucks, and probably Brooklyn versus one of those teams matchup, and the Eastern Conference playoffs is just going to be really, really competitive. Uh, but, you know, I think we were kind of hitting on this, like another, as we're talking about Brooklyn, is there's been a lot of conversation recently about uh, how a couple of the buyout guys, so Blake Griffin, went to Brooklyn. Aldridge was supposed to go to Miami. He also ended up going to Brooklyn. And Drummond went to the Lakers. Uh, and, you know, you were just talking about, say, for example, like the Bucks. Like, how are they going to, like, add players? Uh, they don't have draft assets. They also don't have the advantage of being in a big market. Like, they have, but they have this great team. And they get, like, buyout guys, but they get kind of on the smaller level buyout guys, like Jeff T or Austin Rivers. Uh, as much as I know you think you miss Austin Rivers, you know, because the way he started with the Knicks this year. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they get buyout guys like that. They don't get, like, the high-end buyout guys like an Aldridge, Drummond, or Blake Griffin. Uh, and I get that conversation, but I think what we really should be talking about is not just about buyout guys going to the glamour markets, but it's funny how the NBA is this multi-billion dollar business. Guys like Aldridge, Griffin, Drummond are getting paid so much money and I just find it funny that they're, it's like one of those professions or maybe one of the few, only professions I can think about where a team can choose to sit you or basically not show up to work. You still collect the money um, like how Drummond was or like the other guys like, you know, we see like Blake Griffin couldn't dunk for like a year, <laughs> shows up to Brooklyn and he's like dunking like in his first game back. Aldridge in his first start with Brooklyn looked like a revitalized person again. And it's just funny how, like, these guys who are millionaires, you know, they could either not show up to work or choose to not give the full effort and still collect all that money. And it just doesn't seem like a fair, uh, like a fair situation. I think that's what hasn't, there hasn't been enough conversation about. What do you think about that? I mean, if NBA players want to be known as professionals, it's, and, and organizations as well, I don't think that this is just players. They got to act professionally and for NBA players that means showing up and doing your job. I mean, we're, imagine if you or I went to the hospital and like just either showed up late or like we're like, no, I'm not going to go see that patient. Like that just doesn't fly. And I don't know why that's okay in the NBA, probably because the superstars have so much leverage in that they're, they're not replaceable. You know, you and I can be easily replaced by two other people, but they're not really replaceable, which gives them so much leverage. But there has to be some level of 
accountability. And I, I don't know, I, it might be something that the next CBA needs to put into place saying, you know, teams, teams can't just sit guys and they've had that rule for a while, right? There's no like load management, but they just make up fake injuries. Like I, I, it's hard, really hard for me to believe that, you know, some of these injuries that, that the players have, and that's not to say that they probably have those lingering injuries all the time, but there's got to be some level of like, okay, this player can't go out and play and not this player has this minor ankle tweak and is not going to go out to play because it's better for us to hold him out or he doesn't really want to go play because he's waiting for the buyout market. I just, that, that level of professionalism is like really bad. And I think it propagates players going to, players having so much power that the NBA isn't like a fair enterprise. Like it's not, it's not a game that's fair if, former all-stars can clearly Blake Griffin could dunk like it wasn't a physical thing right it was more of like a, he didn't either want to or he didn't you know maybe he was playing too many minutes at the time and same thing for Aldrich I mean yeah the Spurs gave up on him to play some of the younger guys but his first game he was playing better than he played for the Spurs all season so I don't know what the fix is but it's it's really frustrating and you know you and I both like big market teams so we we generally benefit from it but like i can see the frustration of small market owners like being like what is this like we paid big money for this guy to come and our options are to sit him or you know the player plays so poorly they essentially cancel out any trademark trade value that they have and so the only option is to buy them out and yeah they'll give us back five six seven million dollars that we might save but they're still taking home you know a brunt of that a brunt of that money and i i would be very surprised if the after the uproar of this this uh buyout market if there isn't some changes coming in the future yeah i mean especially because when these guys sign with their new team they're signing for the minimum right so they're <laughs> they're basically max level guys who are now signing for the minimum which is like a tremendous advantage to the team signing them they're getting like a I mean, the reason these guys are getting bought out is because they're not performing like a max level player anymore. I understand that. But, you know, they're getting them at a minimum, which is just a tremendous advantage to their cap sheet. Uh, and like you said, yeah, it, it's hard for me to always complain about this because typically the guy, like teams like the Lakers, we get buyout guys because of the market and having stars. Like last year, Markeith Morris was like a big addition. He actually like played impactful minutes. We'll see how Drummond looks this year, but... You know, <laughs> I thought the same thing you did with, like, man, if it was like us who showed up to work and just said, you know, I just don't, I don't feel like, uh, you know, giving it my all today or like, you know, I just don't feel like clocking in, like, you know, what, what the reaction would be. But I guess that's why we're, we are where we are and these guys are at the top. Like, I mean, they're just in a different profession. Like you said, there's not enough replacements for them. Um, but you know, we'll see how this rest of the... There's still some trade... I mean, sorry, not trades. There's still some buyout guys out there. I just saw Ben McElmore was waived yesterday. I heard Otto Porter could be another buyout candidate. Um, so we'll see how that goes. I think the one team that kind of goes against this is actually like the Thunder, who you rarely see like them buying out people. Um, like, for example, they just like said like they're gonna sit Al Horford, but they're not gonna buy him out. They're, they'll find a trade for him. They like, in the past, they like never bought out Carmelo. They traded him. Uh, they did that with Trevor Ariza this year. So they're kind of like the one exception uh, for this team. Sam Presley always like make sure he gets an asset back. 
And I, the other thing is, I don't know why teams necessarily like if I was the Spurs, right? Like, why not just have an unhappy Aldridge on the bench? You got back was it six million dollars? Uh, I think he gave up like six or, or seven. Like yeah, yeah. So he gave up six or seven million dollars, but. I guess I guess he probably told them that he wasn't going to stay in the West, and I don't know if the Spurs are that competitive. But in general, I mean, I think that that makes sense. Why would I? Why would I want to cut a guy, give him seventy percent, eighty percent of his salary for him to just go to another team and contribute? Like it makes no sense to me. And maybe that's maybe that's the future. Maybe the future is you can't buy a guy out. You can't sign a guy in the buyout market for a minimum. Or maybe they need to do like a graded buyout market meaning if you're currently the best team in the nba you have to wait until this player clears you know you're in the third line of buyouts and the player has to clear the first two lines of buyout before you can get him and maybe that's the fix or you have to make them pay more money where they're gonna have to go into luxury tax because imagine if there was that kind of rule and the nets had to pay aldridge and griffin 15 million dollars or 10 combined you know seven million dollars each or something like that I don't think that they would have taken them if, if that was the case. Yeah, I I, I don't think so either. Uh, I just don't know what's like what's a fix for this. That ultimately, do you maybe have to like say that you can't just sign them for the minimum, or they count towards your cap sheet like a different amount. Like you could sign them for the minimum. Like they'll just I'm sure like you said at the next CBA they're gonna come up with something to change this because one small market owner thing bring up issues like that. And it's at the owner level, not the GM level. There's usually like a change that comes up. Uh, yeah. So maybe the fairest thing would be to do is like, you know, the team that buys him out takes half of his burden on their cap sheet, and the team that takes him takes half of the burden on the cap sheet. So if that player was going to get paid fifteen million dollars against the cap, then you know, the team that acquires them has has to take seven and a half million. They don't have to pay him seven and a half million. But they gotta, they got that counts towards their luxury tax, you know. Like they gotta, essentially, even if they're paying him the minimum, they gotta take the burden of okay, now we're in the in the luxury tax, and we gotta pay extra money, you know, for that. Yeah, or almost like something like the the reverse of the amnesty rule, cup <laughs> that was there like a couple years ago, where yeah, maybe you're signing the guy for the minimum, but it, or he counts towards the minimum for your cap sheet, but the owner still has to pay like a little bit more you know like with the amnesty it was like you can amnesty someone and they come off your cap sheet but they're still getting that money that's paid to them it's just not counting towards the cap something like that is what i could think about yeah um, yeah totally but you know we'll see the you know i thought something else that we should hit on was it's not been too long since the trade deadline it's about a week and a half ago and now we've had some time to see some of the guys who were traded play for their new teams uh, and you know some trades that Orlando Magic just went into like a fire sale <laughs> and I think it was about time <laughs> that they did it too but you know um, some trades I like some I didn't but you know I just wanted to see like quickly what was like maybe one trade good or bad that could have an impact for you uh, on the rest of the season whether it's like the playoff picture playing tournament or like even up to the level of like a, do you think there's any trades that could affect the championship I think, I think the uh, we texted right when the trade deadline was happening, and you know we we talked about the the fire sale of Orlando, and even with the fire sale, they'll they'll never play Mo Bamba, but um, you know <laughs> they got rid of three of their big guys. Evan Fournier went to 
the Celtics and uh, I thought that was kind of uh, low impact in terms of what it really means for, for the Celtics and they didn't have to give up too much for him so I don't think it really helps out Orlando too too much either. I think the biggest impact trade for me I thought was going to be Vucevic going to the to the Bulls but they've like lost like five straights and and have haven't been that great with him on the contrary Wendell Carter Jr. has gone to Orlando and has had a revitalization of what we thought he might be when he first came into the NBA where he's playing good good defense which is what his sort of best role is but he's also contributing pretty well on offense and I think that that's going to be an impactful trade for both teams and it might help Orlando in the short term but I think the only team in terms of playoffs that really was meaningful was the signing of Aaron Gordon. And we kind of knew that the Denver was missing something because we saw last year that the reason why they had so much success is because they had a wing guard, a big guy who can go out and guard some of these, you know, small forwards, power forwards. And he doesn't have to he doesn't have to be the best defender in the league. You know, he doesn't need to be like Lou Dort, but he needs to be able to slow them down enough or make them work on defense and offense that they're tired towards the end of the game. And that's what Jeremy Grant offered them last year. When he left, you could see that totally missing this year. Aaron Gordon, I think, can offer some of that. And do I think that it's really going to impact the Nuggets championship possibility? Probably not because the West is pretty stacked. But they're definitely more exciting to watch. And I kind of I kind of want to see some like lob dunks from... Jokic to, to Gordon like just imagine how fun that can be yeah I mean that that was like going to be my answer too I love that trade uh, and I actually think it could affect the championship if, because um, with the Lakers injuries right you just don't know and then I was watching that Nuggets Clippers game like from last Thursday and it was like a, the Clippers had all their guys I mean besides Rondo but you know all their guys like PG Kawhi like were playing and the Nuggets had all their guys, and I just love this team with um, where they already had like Murray, Jokic, Barton, Porter, and they're kind of playing Millsap for that last starter spot. Um, and you know that's because they lost Jeremy Grant, but now instead of him, you're playing Aaron Gordon. It's just like a whole level of like upgrade with athleticism from Millsap to Gordon. Yeah. That's one thing. Yeah. And then the defensive versatility that you have with Gordon. Um, like that game that I was watching, he was checking Kawhi pretty well. Like Gordon was doing a great job on Kawhi. I was very impressed with that. Uh, and I was just like, they have this like beautiful team now. Like that makes us perfectly. They haven't lost since like the Gordon trade, where they had like these two wings, like Porter and Gordon. And then obviously, you know, you always have the Murray Jokic connection. And then like Barton is like their heat check guy. Um, I just think their team like fits like perfectly now and makes so much sense. Uh, they started out the season kind of slow, and I think some of that may have been fatigue, uh, just because they were one of the last four teams left, and maybe just like Jamal Murray, I think was going through an injury. Uh, but I think I think they're really clicking now. I think this is some team that this is a team I think could make the finals. I just the thing that I still struggle with for them in terms of making the finals is <clears throat> if you look across that whole starting lineup, like yeah, Gordon is a maybe slightly plus defender but like and and Barton sometimes can be an okay defender but like the rest of that team like they're not really like Michael Porter Jr. I just can see him continuously being exposed in the playoffs Jokic you don't really consider him like a defensive stalwart so like 
that's that's the thing that's reluctant about the composition. That had nothing to do with the trade. I think Gordon makes them a better defensive team, but especially because Gary Harris was like just awful, both offensively and defensively. I really don't know what happened to him, but I am um, I'm not convinced that they could be a deep playoff team just for that exact reason. Is like their identity is this really really open flowing basketball team and they can be really really exciting to watch but ultimately when it comes to making some late game defensive stops do i think that they're gonna they have the composition to do that i'm not really sure because what if you know they they the self the clippers didn't do this very much but if i was them i'd get a you know i'd get a, a pick from whoever uh whoever michael porter jr is guarding every single play to get michael porter jr on Kawhi. and how do you really stop that we've seen lebron take advantage of that year after year taking getting the small guy on him and i don't know why this would be any different yeah i mean you know you just never know because like obviously playoff basketball is a whole different animal uh but i guess the one thing is right that they still don't know is can Jokic take another level like he's like go up another level rather he's like an mvp candidate now um is there another level that he can go up to and same with murray right i think we kind of know who gordon is who barton is and then this year, I don't know if we're going to see that jump from Porter just yet. But, you know, is Murray going to take, like, another leap in the playoffs like he did last year or Jokic? I think that's, like, their wild card. If that happens, then they're a team to watch out for. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And, and I think the biggest thing for, like, the future for them, because they're all so young, the future for them, the difference is going to be, like, is Michael Porter Jr. going to try on defense? Because imagine with his, you know, with his athleticism and with his you know physical metrics if this guy bought in on defense and they had two guys like Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. playing defense I think that could fix a lot of you know Jokic in some ways is not the most athletic guy so I don't know if he's ever going to be a great defensive player he just doesn't have the intangibles to do so and he's really smart and he does everything that he can but there's just physical limitations to what he can do sometimes and if you had two wing defenders that were bought in all the time that were you know could be switched on to or do whatever because those guys are tall then i think that that would be a team that i would not want to face in the playoffs yeah 100 percent. i mean that that's why these west play i mean i you know i, I was talking about how the east playoffs are going to be interesting the west is just going to be <laughs> even better uh with the lakers gonna, they're going to slide down in the standing so you just don't know where they're going to end up are they going to be a playing team and then you have like are they gonna slide down though because they've been doing pretty are they gonna slide down though they lost that first couple when when lebron went out yeah but they've been pretty good the last couple games it's against some softer teams but whatever you can't can't control the schedule that they've had since like LeBron went out was against the i think it was the magic the Cavs, and then they beat the kings i think that was the most impressive win because the kings were actually doing pretty well um but, you know, it's like I pretty much know that if they're playing like a, a OK team, they have the chance to win. But like today, like they're going to play the Clippers later today afternoon. I, I think that's going to be an L. Like they, they've had actually a tough schedule. Like they're, this is their marquee portion of the schedule uh, where they play teams like the Clippers, the Bucks. They played like last week, the Sixers. And it's just like hard to like know how the Lakers actually going to measure up. But I think that's what's going to make the playoffs interesting. We see the maps are kind of getting catching fire now. Um, the Jazz are still up at number one. There's the Suns, who are number two. I think that's what's been, like, caught everyone by surprise. Like, they're ahead of, like, the Clippers, the Nuggets. So the West, like, I mean, you just don't know. It, it's going to be a brutal, brutal playoffs out there on the West. 
totally dude one other thing that i kind of wanted to talk about was um was if you are a guy on a team like on a on a on a strong market team and the team is starting to do well like would you would you want your team to do well like as in uh, the example that i'm thinking of right now before confusing you is like okay how many of the nets guys that were you know that eked into the playoffs are still on the nets and similarly how many of those clipper guys <laughs> that were like you know this grit grit team are still on the team it's like it's only pat you know, bev who's still left i think it's only pat bev and he's like pretty much lost so much as soon as rondo's back i feel like pat bev is going to take another another hit on his minutes and i was just thinking about it as the knicks like i, I don't know if we're going to recruit some big all-star or some big time superstar or whatever but you know if I'm, I'm the guys that are playing on the knicks right now i'm like damn i've seen this blueprint before i work my ass off i we get this team to you know whether it's the playing game or whether it's the low seeds of the playoffs and then in a couple of years when the superstar comes they're just gonna cut my ass anyway <laughs> no i mean i think that's what the nba is right like all this talk of like culture and like all that stuff like oh they have a great cult winning or like they're building a culture they have all this that's all just to like attract a superstar i've realized or two and then once those guys come they are the ones who set the culture right so that's just the nba i've realized like <laughs> you're right um the teams or like if you're if i'm on one of these players on these teams unless i'm like considered a indispensable Porsche part like if i'm like a young rookie like a high pick even then, you know, you might be the one who's traded to get that superstar, um, like Shea Gilgis right. Alexander was. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it's ultimately that's what the NBA is. is that you can't win one of these championships unless you have that that guy, like that superstar. So ultimately, it's just a cycle of like drafting and building a culture and doing all these things the right way to all to hope that one of these superstars look your way, and then once they come, they they set the culture. So. That's just what the NBA yeah, the only, is a constant cycle of. The only teams that like kind of continue their culture is like if you have a homegrown superstar, like, you know, like the culture for Denver is is the culture for Denver because they've had those guys for so long before they were superstars. The culture for the Bucks is what Giannis sets because he's gotten there from the beginning. But it, it, it's so funny to me, these teams that like play so, so hard and everyone loves watching them because they're like really exciting and then a couple of years later you, all those players are on different teams and the player the team's having mad success like i if i was if i was a you know 2018 net or 2019 clipper i would be like what the heck man like <laughs> that those should be my rings or those should be my playoff wins like this is this is some bs yeah i mean like it, it's crazy right yeah the clippers are a great example like trez left knew lou williams wasn't like gonna be there for long and I think Pat Bev, I think he was hard to trade this year, but he likely will be traded this offseason because he's going to be an expiring contract and someone will take him. And, um, and you're saying like, oh, they left, but really they were like pushed out. Like none of these guys, oh, yeah, like, yeah. if it was up to them, they would have gotten rid of Kawhi and PG and just gone back to the, the, the Clippers that were there a couple of years ago that were just so much fun to watch. So they got pushed out. I mean, these guys... They, it, it really sucks for them. I know, I know. But ultimately, you know, that's what... You can't blame the team either because the ceiling of that team was an eight seed, right? <laughs> they were like this great team right. who, who were an eight seed at the end of the day. And it's a nice story when you make the playoffs when you're not expected to. 
But if that's your ceiling as an eight seed, you know, they can't believe the teams like who want like higher, higher, who want to achieve higher things. Yeah, but if you were the guy, you know, if you're living in LA right now and you're, um, uh, and you know, you're a basketball fan, because I think that superstars are always going to attract the non-basketball fans. Um, just because they like will hear their name as celebrities and like will want to go see them. But if you're a basketball fan, would you want to go see the Clippers right now, or would you want to go see the Clippers from like three years ago? Like I feel like that old Clippers team was just more fun to watch and exciting than going and seeing the Clippers now. Even though the Clippers now probably will win more, have a higher ceiling, but they're just—I mean, I don't know. Like, and the Nets, I think, are a little bit different because they got like super, super high-level superstars, but. Even then, like the Nets from a couple of years ago were like super exciting to watch. I'd much rather go see that Nets team at $10 per ticket than potentially go see this Nets team where the superstars might be sitting and in and out for, you know, whatever, $200 per ticket in for nosebleeds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Nets finally got a team that's worthy enough like of charging those New York City prices. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I, right now, I guess I'm kind of biased just because of like, my anti-Clippers like hate or whatever you want to call it but you're like I won't go see either of those Clippers teams <laughs> no but you're right no, I actually <laughs> didn't mind seeing those the Clippers that year before they got Kawhi and PG because yeah they would just have like these fun lineups and like Lou and Trez would run their thing and they would just like be pulling out these games and when they're not expected to at all and I think that's what made them like uh like that the day they had that David feel and now that they're this Goliath they're just not I mean you can't blame them like they're Kawhi, PG they're just like these like very they're superstars but their games are in like this these high flying games that some other superstars have but um yeah I mean I, I, yeah you're right and now that I think about it that Pat Bev, Lou, Trez and then I remember that was the year they had Shea right like Shea was like coming into his own as a rookie right um and they were like they had this exciting element with Shea and Gallo was probably like rejuvenated that year um Man, because I think about the Knicks team team. before they made, I I think about the Knicks team before they made the Mellow trade, and obviously I love the Mellow years. He was my favorite player for many years. But that Knicks team before they made the Mellow trade with like Amari playing as you know an MVP candidate, you know you had Gallo and you had you had uh, Wilson Chandler. You had like all these guys. You had Raymond Felton. You had like all these guys that were like so hard nosed, and that team was like just so much fun to watch. I mean, they were getting out there and like. It, kind of like the Knicks team now they were like getting out there and like ready to fight and uh once you get the superstar yeah you your your ceiling goes higher but uh, some of that baseline enjoyment might be lost uh kind of like I don't know the UCLA team last night uh they were just they were just so fun to watch like this whole time everyone just was doubting them including myself and uh they were just going out and showing like who cares if for the 11th seed and that's kind of I kind of miss that underdog mentality with uh with the superstar driven league oh yeah man <sighs> UCLA's one that was a great game but no I remember like I think that was like our freshman year in undergrad and I remember watching some of those Knicks games and I'd just be like man they got it was Mike D'Antoni was the coach right and they kind yeah. of before Melo came they kind of had this perfect D'Antoni team where it would be like Felton and Amari running pick and rolls and you would just surround him with shooters with like uh Chandler Gallo and did you have Landry Fields that year I can't remember but it was like the, yep, we did. I think it was like the perfect D'Antoni team before Melo got there. I mean, like we just said, it's just all to like get that superstar. But <laughs> they had like a perfect D'Antoni team before they had to get that all that up. Man, 
RIP to any any guy that's you know not a superstar that helps his team become good because <laughs> you're kind of it, it's it's like the whole saying you know you're 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 training you're training your own uh, replacement is what they're doing they're essentially training the franchise to replace themselves <laughs> basically basically <laughs> oh man i'm glad it was like that was that was like a, a nice combo like i've never actually like, thought about that i mean we all like recognize it but when you actually like bring it bring it about like you did it's like man these guys like unless you're like a top like that top level player that teams are trying to acquire you're just so dispensable yep sad but anyways this is a great pod i'm glad like we got to do one after some time uh as usual, we got to shout out our producer, Cindy, aka Sandy, uh, who like puts these pods together. And this was great, Nishan, but stay tuned. We may have another pod coming up this week. I'm excited. See you later, dude. All right. See ya.